people are excited to be here. Make some noise for the Lord. Amen. I want to share a quick scripture with you. It's found in Mark chapter 4. It's verse 39 through 41. And this is right when the disciples are stressed out. They don't really know what's going on. And uh, Jesus awakes and he calms the sea. And it says, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I started thinking about this today, and it's such a powerful passage because everyone in here, you might be going through circumstances or situations, but I want to tell you that God in one moment can, can cause your storm to be still. How many people believe that tonight? Amen. So as we continue to worship, I want to encourage you. We serve a God that's way bigger than anything that we face in life, and he deserves our worship tonight. How many people believe that tonight? Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. You are good. You are good. Oh 
We're actually going to invite our prayer team down front. And if, uh, you know, the, sh the scripture that I shared earlier, if you feel like maybe you're going through a storm right now, maybe there's something going on in your life and you just need prayer for something, or maybe you would like to agree with someone uh, about anything, we love the opportunity to pray for you. We, we, we want to invite you down front and we're going to uh, pray with you. Uh, but like I said, as the prayer team comes forward, uh, we'll continue to worship and uh, let's pray. Amen.
Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. 
Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. so glad you're here and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. On Sunday, May 29th, we have our annual Church on the Rock Memorial Day Car Show. There will be all styles of cars, family fun, games, prizes, inflatables, and great food. This is a huge event that takes a lot of volunteers. If you would like to help, you can sign up in the foyer. Is anyone excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. Well, we would like to officially welcome you to Church on the Rock. We're so glad you're here. But uh, real quick, I have a couple of announcements. Uh, first, this Tuesday, the Texas side is actually having a runoff election. So if you want any information or voters' guides, you can pick that up in our lobby. We would also like to remind you about the Repeal M-130 campaign which is speaking on uh, repealing the Arkansas side bathroom ordinance. So if you want any information on that, ask any questions, or if you'd like to pick up one of the signs that we had on stage last week, you can pick one of those up in the lobby. And then also, we have a really big event coming up soon. Uh, you saw it right at the end of our announcement video, but the Memorial Day car show is coming up. Every year we see people come to Christ this event, so it's a big deal, and that's the heartbeat behind the whole thing, but it's a lot of work, and we need a lot of volunteers. So if you'd like to help, you'd like to be involved in that in any way, we'd also like to say you can sign up for that in the lobby. So I guess what I'm saying is make sure to stop by the lobby today after service and check all that out, all right? Thank you, Cole. Hey, those little car show programs you got in your uh, bulletin, those are more than an advertisement. Like I said last week, these are a ticket. I mean, this could be somebody's ticket to heaven in a sense because they might not come into a church service or whatever. They might come to a car show. And if you bring them, don't even have to bring them inside. You just, hey, let's go over by that tent, and they're going to hear the message of the gospel when we do our chapel service. So, and people always get saved there. So don't forget that. Also, if you're a business and want to do a sponsor, sponsor pick for $100, we've got 10 of them. And then your business can be pick out an award, and all that money goes to Imagine More. So it's a good way to give $100 and get your business promoted. Amen? We're continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. And here's what I'm going to do, first of all. Whatever you want God to bless, that's what you need to put Him first in. So if you want God to bless your finances, you put Him first in your money. That's the principle of tithing. And in less than two minutes, I'm going to give you four verses that explain the purpose, the promise, the place, and the day for tithing. Here we go. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. This is the purpose. 
Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. He will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wine. God says if you honor him with the first part of your income, he's going to bless you financially. That means if you make $10, you give him a dollar back. If you make $100, you give him $10 back. And it all comes from God in the first place, and you want him to bless, bless the other 90%, correct? So now why does God tell us to tithe? The purpose is, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in our lives. In other words, God doesn't need our money, but he wants what it represents, and that's our hearts. He wants you to trust him. Now, where should you tithe? Okay, do you tithe the United Way? Do you tithe to your brother who's been out of work for three years? No, that's charity. Tithing is an act of worship, and it goes to God. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn. Test me in this, says the Lord All-Powerful. I will open the windows of heaven for you. Pour out all the blessings you need. So the storehouse is the temple, the place where you worship. And when are you supposed to tithe? It's on the day you worship. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week. Use it for this offering. The amount depends on how much God has helped you. So when you give God the first part of your day, the first part of your week, the first part of your money, you're saying to Him, God, you're really number one in my life. And notice that verse always also said, put aside. That means you have to plan it. It's not something you just do by impulse. That's what it means to be a good steward. So when you do that, I'm telling you, watch God bless you. Amen? Hey, as you're preparing the offering and the ushers are coming forth, I want to go ahead right now and introduce our guest speaker. Uh, how many remember Scott Camp from last year? Okay, we did a Friends Day. I mean, we saw this altar full of people getting saved. People come back that night. We had how many? 60 getting baptized that night, so it was a powerful time. Pastor John invited him back for the weekend, and he's going to do some teaching this weekend. It's going to be exciting, but I want to set up a little bit. This is something he's not going to tell you. But Dr. Camp holds a Master of Arts in Theology from Criswell, Criswell College, summa cum laude graduating. And in addition, he holds a Master of Divinity from Southwestern Assemblies of God University and a Master's of Theology degree from Southwestern Baptist University and also awarded Honorary Doctor of Divinity at St. Thomas Christian College in Jacksonville, Florida and currently completing a Doctor of Ministry program from the Assemblies of God Theology in Springfield, Missouri. I don't know if I got all that summa cum laude stuff right, because we didn't quite do that, did we? All I know is I graduated from shop with all my fingers, and so I thought I did pretty good. Amen? Hey, so uh, really open up your hearts. I think we're going to learn something, and it's going to be a powerful day. Continue to keep Pastor John in, his, in your prayers. He just off for the weekend, been about seven weeks, and just going to get some rest. We've got a great speaker, so God bless you as you give today. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. 
important thing that ever happened in my life other than coming to know Jesus was really coming into a full understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives and through our lives and so I'm just going to spend the whole weekend I want you to think about this kind of like a Holy Spirit conference all right so I'm going to preach three different messages, so that means you've got to come back in the morning, amen. And they're all going to be different, and then at the end of tomorrow's second service, we're going to have an impartation time. And I think that what happened in my life as a Southern Baptist evangelist, and uh, I wasn't raised in the church. I was raised in a bar. I came to know Jesus in a jail cell in Fort Worth, and I was an evangelist. And I loved the Lord with all my heart, saved, but I knew that there was something missing. There was a power, and there was something that I read about in the book of Acts and that I saw in the lives of other Christians that was conspicuously absent from my life. Now, really what that was, was the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm going to begin to talk about tonight. And so I don't know what your background is. I don't know if you grew up in church, didn't grow up in church. I don't know what your I was uh, talking to a girl inviting her to church and she said, it's not one of those kind of churches where they speak in tongues, is it? And uh, I didn't really know what to say. I just said, come check it out, you know? So I don't know what your background is. But what I'm going to ask you to do is I pray for you and then as we look into God's Word, I'm going to ask you to be open to whatever God wants to do in your life. Amen? Is that fair? I just want you to be open and ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit who lives in you if you're a Christian. How many of you are saved and you know it? Let me see your hand. You know you're saved. All right. So you're saved because Jesus lives inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God lives in you. And it's not really you getting more of the Holy Spirit. 
It's the Holy Spirit getting all of you. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. So everybody bow your head and close your eyes and turn the monitor up just a little bit, please, so I can hear myself. And I just want to pray for you, all right? If you don't mind, would you just try lifting your hands? Would you do that? You say, well, I've never done that. Well, this is your chance right here. And I think what that does is it says to the Lord, I'm open. I'm not clinging to maybe tradition or I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm open, Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, let's say that. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm open. And Father, I pray tonight that you would help us to let go of anything maybe we've been taught or maybe we've held on to as a tradition or maybe fear that we're going to do something weird or we're going to act in a strange way or, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, we let go of it tonight. I, I want... Lord, I don't want to be a religious person. I want to be like Jesus. And when I read about Jesus, I see that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit came upon him. And that's what I want. I want a deeper empowerment. I want a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit, not just in my mind, but in all of my personality. And so tonight, Spirit of the living God, I ask you to come and teach us and guide us and lead us and empower us because the world desperately needs a Spirit-filled church and Spirit-filled believers in these days in which we're living. And that's what we want and that's what we cry out for and that's what we thirst for and we ask it in faith tonight that we would take a big step forward in our relationship with you tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. You may be seated. Take your Bible, turn to John chapter number 14. Now, we're going to look at a lot of passages tonight, so I hope everybody has a Bible or an iPhone or something. I hope you have a pen or pencil or lipstick, mascara, something you can write with, all right? And something you can write on because really what I want to do tonight is lay the foundation of this Holy Spirit weekend. And I want to talk tonight about the person of the Holy Spirit because you can never really fully appreciate or appropriate all that the Spirit of God wants to be and do in your life until you understand who the Holy Spirit is. It all begins with an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. It's kind of like this. You could not be saved until you came to an understanding of who Jesus is. Amen. Because there's so much confusion about who Jesus is and who God is, God the Father, and there's so much confusion about the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I think more than confusion, can I just be honest with you? I think there's just a lot of ignorance about the Holy Spirit. Somebody has said that if the ignorance and the sin, really the sin 
of the Old Testament was an ignorance of the person of God the Father. In other words, God said, my people are perishing because of ignorance. They don't know who I am. If they knew who I, am, who I was, then they would trust me and they would serve me and they would worship me. And so in the Old Testament, the people of God were just ignorant concerning who God is. And in the New Testament, they were ignorant about Jesus, weren't they? The Bible says he came to his own and his own just didn't even recognize who he was. They didn't receive him. They rejected him. And I think that there's a lot of ignorance today in the church. I'm not talking about out there. I'm talking about in here. There's a lot of ignorance and a lot of misunderstanding about the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, the most popular movie last year, and now it's set all the records for the most money made, was the new Star Wars episode. And if you went to any, any little Star Wars nerds out there, anybody, anybody own up to that, you know, the Star Wars story is a story about the Force. It's a story about how the Force, you can tap into the Force and when you are empowered by the force, you're able to overcome the dark side. And really it's a movie, a, tr a story about power and about being empowered. And I want to talk to you about not the force because the Holy Spirit is not a force. Matter of fact, that's the first thing I want to say is that the Holy Spirit is not a force the Holy Spirit is not merely the power of God, although the Holy Spirit is often associated with power, but the Holy Spirit is not a force, not simply the power of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. That's the first thing I want to say tonight. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now you say, Scott, how could the Holy Spirit be a person? I mean, I've never seen him I've never shaken hands with him. I've never had coffee with him. How can the Holy Spirit be a person if he does not have a body? Have you ever thought about that? Because most of the time when we think about persons, we think about physicality, about corporeality, about a physical kind of person. But did you know that your body is not really makes what makes you a person? Did you know that? Your body is not the real you. Some of you ought to say, thank God, right there, amen. I mean, that's not really the real you. For example, if I died right now, if I, if I killed over dead, my body would still be here, and you'd put it in a casket and have a funeral for me, but the real person, the real me, would be immediately in the presence of the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be what? present, the real person, the real me, is going to shell out one day of this old body in hope of the resurrection when Christ raises us all from the dead, those of us who go to sleep, a euphemism for death, but the real person is not the body. I'm a person with a body, therefore I'm limited, I'm circumscribed to my body, but the Holy Spirit is a person, but he's a person who is not limited by a physical, material, corporeal body. Nevertheless, he's a person just like you're a person and just like I'm a person. Amen. You say, show me that in the Bible. All right, I will. Look at John chapter 14. Now, notice how Jesus 
describes the Holy Spirit, all right? He uses very personal terms. John chapter 14, and look at verse number 16. If you're there, say, mm-hmm. John 14, 16, I will pray to the Father, and the Father will give you another helper. By the way, the word another there is a word in the Greek New Testament which means another of the same kind because there are two words for another. There's one word that means another of a different kind, but that's not the another Jesus uses here. What he's saying is, I'm going to go away. And that must have been devastating for his disciples to hear. I'm going to go away. But it's good for you, he'll say later, that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Father cannot send another helper, another comforter, just like me. Another just like me. Now, now notice how Jesus describes this helper, this comforter. The word in Greek means to come alongside. Parakaleo means to come alongside. Someone who is not only with us, but Jesus said he's going to come to live in us. I will pray to the Father, and the Father will give you another helper, look, that it may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees it nor knows it, but you know it, for it dwells with you and will be in you. Is that what your Bible says? If it is, throw it away and get another one. Amen. It's not supposed to say that. That he may abide in you. The Holy Spirit is referred to over and over, listen, with personal pronouns. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. And then look at verse number 26 in John 14. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name... He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, all the things that I said to you. And then turn over to John chapter 16 real quickly. Here's what I'm trying to show you, that the Holy Spirit is a person. And when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, he used personal pronouns. He said, he will teach you, he will guide you, he will be in you. Look at verse number 13, John chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. When Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, watch this, he used personal pronouns. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not simply the power of God. Listen, and we need to be very careful when we refer to the Holy Spirit, sing about the Holy Spirit, talk about the Holy Spirit, not to grieve him by using anything other than personal kind of language. Amen. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is identified by personal pronouns. Then the Holy Spirit exhibits the actions of a person. The Holy Spirit does what only persons can do. For example, did you see in John chapter 16, look back there in verse number 13, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will guide you. 
Only a person can guide someone. He will not speak on his own. The Holy Spirit speaks, but, he, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So the Holy Spirit guides, he speaks, he hears, he tells us things to come. He glorifies me, Jesus said. The, so the Holy Spirit does things that only a, a person can do. Did you know the Holy Spirit is very sensitive? Did you know that he can be insulted? Let me show you a very powerful verse. Take your Bible, turn over to the book of Hebrews real quickly. The book of Hebrews. The Holy Spirit can be insulted because he's a person. We're not talking about just simply a force or the power of God or kind of an ethereal, nebulous nothing. We're talking about a person here. Hebrews chapter 10, and look at verse number 29. Hebrews 10, verse 29. Look, of how much sore punishment do you suppose he will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and look at this last line, and insulted the spirit of grace. The Holy Spirit can be insulted. And then the Holy Spirit speaks. Now look at this. Look over at Acts chapter 13. Everybody still with me? Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 13. Now you say, well, what difference does it make that the Holy Spirit is a person. Let me tell you what difference it makes. Everybody look right here. What that means is that the Holy Spirit wants to have a personal relationship with you. That means you can know him. Let me ask you a question. Have you spoken to the Holy Spirit today? You know, a lot of times we talk about Jesus. Jesus, I love you. And we do love Jesus. And we're taught to pray, Father, our Father who art in heaven. And we should speak to the Father. But the Holy Spirit is the invisible Jesus who is with us and in us right now. Have you spoken to him? You know, I don't agree with everything that Benny Hinn has to say. And I don't agree with everything Benny Hinn does in his ministry. But I'll tell you this. He's written a great book. You know what the name of the book is? Good Morning Holy Spirit. I think we ought to all say that every morning that we give up. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I love you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Holy Spirit, if I insult you, if I grieve you, if I quench you, if I do anything that disturbs my fellowship with you, Spirit of God, I want you to show me. I want you to speak to me. I want to be very sensitive to you, Holy Spirit of God. Amen? You see, being a Christian is not just about being religious. It's not just about doing religious stuff. It's not just about going to church and putting some money in the offering plate. It's not even about how much you know about the Bible. You know, I know people who know more about the Bible than I ever will, and some of them are mean as a yard dog. They'll use the Bible to beat the daylights out of you. Something's not right. I know people who come to church all the time. Some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life go to church every Sunday. And there's something that's not right. What is it? I want to suggest to you, and by the way, most churches in America, I'm in 48 of them a, a, a year, 48 different Sundays. Every Sunday of my life, I'm preaching at a different kind of church. And I preach at all of them. I preach at ones that call themselves Pentecostal. 
and most of them are so dead and so cold, you could ice skate up and down the aisles and hang meat in the auditorium. I mean, they're dead. I preach in the Baptist churches. Everybody say, thank God for the Baptist. I mean, most of you wouldn't even be saved if it wasn't for the Baptist. Amen. Thank God. But, but, but let me just tell you that eight out of ten Southern Baptist churches have plateaued or they're in decline. We're in trouble. And we're not in trouble because of who's in the White House. We're in trouble because of what's going on in the church house. We're in trouble because most of you sitting in this room don't have enough spiritual power to blow the fuzz off a peanut. Amen? We've grieved the Holy Spirit. We're not pursuing a passionate relationship with Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. And when he speaks to us, most of us don't even hear him. And most churches don't hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. What they hear is how much money they have in the bank. What they hear is, is it going to upset Brother Doodle Digger if we make this decision? Is it going to cause problems in the church? Can I just suggest to you very few things we ever do in the church that are right and for the glory of God, we can very rarely do anything without upsetting some people in the church because you got a backslide to be in fellowship with the average Christian in America. We're just not right with God. Come on, church. Amen. I mean, that's the truth. Let me show you an example of how the Holy Spirit dealt with the early church. Look at Acts chapter 13 and look at verse number 1 and 2. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers and then he mentioned several of them. And look at verse number 2. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, look, the Holy Spirit said. Now can you imagine that? They're praying and they're fasting, and they're worshiping, and they're really seeking the direction of the Lord for their church. And while they're doing that, guess who spoke to them? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. You say, does the Holy Spirit still speak? Yes. Does he speak in an audible voice? Listen, it's louder than that. Amen? I mean, it's, it's loud. You, it's unmistakable, and you hear it when the Spirit of God speaks to you. And the church heard the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit said, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me your very best. I want you to separate Barnabas and Saul, who would later become known as Paul, for the work which I have called them. And so they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them and sent them away. And look at verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, the great missionary, first great launch was undertaken. Why? Because the Holy Spirit spoke because he is a, say it, person. He has the essence of personhood. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the thing that makes you a person is the fact that you have a mind and a will and emotions. And did you know the Holy Spirit has all those things? Let me show you something. Turn your Bible to Romans chapter 8. Is everybody still with me? Amen? Amen. Look at Romans chapter 8. If you're in Acts, just hang a right. Go over into Romans. And look at Romans chapter 8. 
The Holy Spirit is a person. He's identified by personal pronouns. He exhibits the actions of a person. He teaches, he guides, he speaks. He can be insulted. He even can be lied to. Do you know you can lie to the Holy Ghost? Acts chapter number 5, there was a guy named Ananias and his wife named Sapphira. And during the offering, they didn't put in what the Holy Ghost told them to put in. And then they tried to lie about it. And God killed them for lying to the Holy Spirit, not to the pastor. Matter of fact, the pastor told Ananias and Sapphira, it's none of my business what you give. And you could have kept it, but you lied to the Holy Spirit. And as a result, Sapphira, the same men who just took your husband's body out, they're coming to get you right now. You can lie to the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's very sensitive. He has a mind. Look at Romans chapter 8 and look at verse number 27. Verse number 27. Back up to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps us when we're weak. Anybody, everybody ever been weak? And you didn't even, you, have you ever been so weak that you didn't even know how to pray? Matter of fact, when you got down beside your bed on your knees or wherever you were and you tried to pray, nothing came out. Your heart was so heavy. Amen. And you were so confused. Your heart was so broken. And you didn't even know how to pray. You couldn't even put words together. Look what happens when that happens. Verse number 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses for when we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Look at that, the mind of the who? The Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit knows what your need is, and he knows how to communicate directly from your spirit to the very throne room of heaven, and he knows what you'd like to ask God for if you could find the words to put together to ask him. And so when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Ghost helps you pray in a language, in, in, in utter, utterances, and in a language and syllables and words that do not come from your human mind, they come from your spirit. Amen, amen, amen. That's the beauty of spiritual language. You're praying with the mind of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a mind. The Holy Spirit has a will. He has a will for your life. Have you asked the Holy Spirit lately, Holy Spirit, am I where I need to be? You know what most of us do? We just make our plans and then we ask God to bless our plans. And what we say is, God, this is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm going to marry. This is the job I'm going to take. This is how much money I'm going to give toward the new bill. And God, I ask you to bless my plans. Let me tell you something. God does not pay for what God does not order. Amen. So what you have to do is be in such 
tune, be in step with the Spirit so that He's constantly speaking to you and guiding you and you're listening to Him and you're obeying Him so that everywhere you go and everything you do bears the undeniable stamp of the fragrance of the Spirit and presence and power of God on your life. Amen, amen, amen. In other words, you're living a supernaturally natural kind of life. Can I just tell your life is either, I'm talking to Christians in here. See, I want to tell you, the. can I just tell you the truth? The truth is most of us are saved and we're just sitting around on our blessed assurance waiting for the rapture bus to swoop down out of heaven and get us out of this mess. And in the meantime, let me just tell you, in the meantime, and I love you, but in the meantime, the devil is running over most of us like a smooth road. And he's destroying our families. He's destroying our physical health. He's destroying our finances. He's using and abusing us. And we're just sitting around saying, Jesus, help me when all the while, all of the power of heaven and earth is inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Now, that's the truth. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He has a will. Let me show you this. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And look at verse number 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Everybody got a Bible in this church? 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 11. But one and the same Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, works all these things, talking about spiritual gifts, distributing to each one individually as what? He wills. See, listen, you don't determine what gift you get in the body of Christ. See, the Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is the giver of the gifts. Now, we desire gifts, we pray for gifts, we ask for gifts, but the main thing is being in tune with the Spirit so that at any moment he can manifest, make himself known through your life in any way, in any gift that he chooses if you're yielded to him, amen? I might not have the gift of healing, but if I'm out in the middle like I have been in a jungle, and I will be before the end of this year out in Africa, and there's a sick person there, my gift might be evangelism. But if there's a sick person there, and the Holy Spirit says, I want to use you to pray for that sick person and see that sick person heal, then I got one of two choices. I can either try to ignore what the Holy Spirit just said or I could say, Holy Spirit, that's not really my thing or what if I pray for him and nothing happens or I can say, by faith, I'm just going to trust the Holy Ghost. I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Amen? Do you see that? But you got to hear the Holy Spirit. And you've got to be in tune with his will. He also has emotions. Turn over to Ephesians. Just keep going to the right. Ephesians, 2 Corinthians and Galatians. And look at Ephesians chapter number 4. So the Holy Spirit is a person. He's identified by personal pronouns. He does things that only persons can do. 
He has the essence of personhood, a mind, will, and emotions. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30. Look, and do not, say the next word, do not grieve. Everybody say the word grieve. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what it means to grieve? I just talked to my dear brother here who's still grieving the loss of a loved one. And have you ever lost a loved one? And you know what it is to, it feels like your heart is literally broken. And you cry. And there's a pain and an anguish. And that's called grieving. And the reason that you feel that way is because you're a person. And it would be very unusual for you not to grieve. Amen. Amen. Well, the Holy Spirit's a person. And did you know that you have the power to break the heart of the Holy Spirit of God? To cause him pain? To cause him, you know why? Because he's a person and he has emotions and, he, and the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. That's why the, the Bible often pictures the Holy Spirit as a dove. Because he's very sensitive. And you can break the heart of the Holy Spirit and cause him pain. You say, well, Scott, how do I do that? Because I don't ever want to do that. Well, look at the next verse. It says, do not grieve, Ephesians 4.30, the Spirit of God by whom you're sealed until the day of redemption. And here's how you grieve the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Did you know that when you speak evil, when you speak in anger, when you're full of bitterness toward your wife, toward someone in the church, toward some person who may have done you wrong when you refuse to forgive them. Look what this says. It says, be kind to one another and tenderhearted. Forgive one another, even as God in Christ, when you hang on to your hurt and your bitterness and your anger and it comes out of you, you are breaking the heart of the Holy Spirit of God. And don't ask him to guide you or to fill you. Or to empower you. The first thing you need to ask him to do is to forgive you. Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry that I have acted like this. I've acted like the devil. And I'm so sorry. And I ask you to forgive me and to fill me. I want to have my relationship with you. I want it to be right, Holy Spirit of God. Because he is a person. Amen. Do you see that? So the Holy Spirit is a person. And he relates to other people personally. He relates to the Father and the Son personally. He relates to the church personally. He relates to individual believers, even to lost people. Listen, he woos them. He convicts them. He draws them to Jesus like a person would. He's a person. Now let me say one other thing and then I'm finished. He's not only a person, but listen to this. He's also God. Amen. The Holy Spirit is a what? Say it. Person. And the Holy Spirit is who? God. He's the third member of what theologians, now you don't find this word in the Bible, but it's not an unbiblical word or a non-biblical word. It's a word that we use to describe what's revealed in the Bible. You don't even find the word Bible in the Bible. 
But there's nothing wrong with this word. It's the word Trinity. Or the Bible talks about the Godhead. Or sometimes we talk about the triunity of God. And what we're saying is, is that there is one God. All right, now look at me. Listen, please hear this. Because when you're at Starbucks and you're talking to a Muslim friend, and I hope you have a Muslim friend, the only way we're ever going to reach Muslims is by loving them. And they're empty. And they need Jesus. And they don't need our hatred. They need the love of Jesus. Because they don't have any peace. They don't, they, they, you cannot have a personal relationship with Allah. Number one, because Allah does not exist. And number two, because in Muslim theology, God is the God of deism. He's a distant God, and you can't know him. No Muslim would ever call God their father. Only Christians, no Jew would ever call God their father. Only Christians can say, Daddy, and talk to God, and have that kind of confident assurance because of what Jesus has done for us. And so I was talking to my Muslim friend. I was at Starbucks. I go to Starbucks to get my Christian crack, amen? And so I was there, and uh, I have a Muslim friend. And, you know, their main problem with us is they say that we're pagans. They say that we're polytheists. I'm going to be going to Russia in a few months, and then I'm going to be going to Pakistan. Pray for me. I've never been more excited about anything in my life, in my life. and my wife, Gina, who will be here tomorrow with our kids, they're going to be singing, she's never been more nervous about anything. And I just met with my dear Pakistani friend, he's, he's a pastor, and he told me about what you saw on the news. He said, Scott, they still don't know. It was reported that there were upwards to 400 Christians who were killed in an explosion. Two men ignited bombs that were on their persons and killed. He said, the news said 400. He said, they're still discovering bodies because of where this took place in Islamabad. And I'll be there in just a few months. Pray for me and help us go and pray for us. Because what you won't hear on the news is that there are thousands of Muslims who are coming into the kingdom of God because they're empty on the inside and Jesus is setting them free through the work of the Holy Spirit. But I was talking to this Muslim friend and he said, now wait a minute, he said, do you believe that Jesus is God? I said, absolutely, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus said and that's what his earliest followers died for. And he said, well, do you believe that the Father is God. I said, well, yes. And he said, well, don't you believe the Holy Spirit is God? And I said, yeah, that's what the Bible says. I'll show you this in a moment. He's called God. And he said, well, that's one plus one plus one equals three. He said, you're a tritheist. You're a a pagan. You believe in polytheism. You believe in three gods. One plus one plus one is three. I said, dude, one times one times one times one is one. It's not about mathematics. It's an eternal, listen, it's an eternal relationship of a God who is love, 
who must, in order to love and be eternal love, have those other persons to give love to. Before there was anything else, there was still God, and God was still love. Well, who did he love? The Father loved the Son, and the Son loved the Spirit, and the Spirit loved the Father, and the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father, but the Father is God, and the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. Listen, not three gods, one God who eternally exists in three persons. Amen. Amen. Now, you say, is that in the Bible? Well, let me show you. Let's just look at several examples. Is everybody still with me? Amen. You glad you're here? You'd rather be here than watching the real housewives of Rockwall, Texas, or whatever, amen? All right, let me just show, I don't want to bore you, but I think we need to understand this, amen? See, let me tell you where most charismatics, I'm a charismatic. I was a Southern Baptist evangelist. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, spontaneously began to speak in tongues in the largest Southern Baptist church in Oklahoma with the pastor right there where I was preaching a crusade. And somebody asked me, did the Southern Baptist kick you out? No, they kicked me up. Amen? Amen. And I wouldn't trade. I still preach in Southern Baptist churches. I just preach in the largest Southern Baptist church in Austin, Texas, the largest Southern Baptist church in New Orleans, Louisiana. I thank God. I'll go anywhere. Amen. But something happened in that office that set me on a course in a complete, it opened up the supernatural for me. My life and ministry have never been the same. Let me tell you what I learned. Whatever Jesus you believe in and preach is the Jesus who will show up. So if you believe in a Jesus that saves people, and that's what you preach, then guess what? People will get saved. Thank God, that's the greatest miracle of all. But if you believe in a Jesus who saves and heals, then people will get saved and healed. If you believe in a Jesus and preach a Jesus who saves and heals and sets people free, then people will be set free. If you believe in a Jesus who said, I'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost, then that'll happen because whatever Jesus you preach and believe in is the Jesus that will show up, amen? So Jesus got a lot bigger in my experience, when I began to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Christians have always believed that the Holy Spirit is God. And, there's some, and they've always believed in the triune God. This is part of the earliest confessions of the church. And let me just show you why real quickly, and then we'll be done for tonight. Look at Matthew chapter 4 real quickly. Or Matthew chapter 3. Everybody take a Bible and turn to the first book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. The Holy Spirit is a person, but he's also God. He's the third member of the Godhead. By the way, the word translated God in the Old Testament is the word Elohim. Elohim. Now listen to me. I'm going to teach you something. Whenever you see a Hebrew word translated into English with an I-M on the end, like cherubim or seraphim, have you seen those words? 
those two letters in English in Hebrew, they're the Yod and the Mim, but they look like I am when they're translated into English. That makes that word plural. Now listen, we have in English singular and what? Plural. So plural is more than one in English, but that's not true in the Hebrew language. The Hebrew language has singular and then they have dual, and dual is two, and then they have plural, and in order for something to be plural, it means there has to be at least what? When the Bible calls God, it doesn't just call God El, although El is part of compounds that are used for God, El, El Yon, et cetera, et cetera, El Shaddai, you know that word. But when the Bible calls God Elohim, the word Elohim literally means the witness of the three strong ones. The word for God in Hebrew is plural. It has not three gods in mind. That's why there's no translation that says in the beginning gods because that wouldn't be right because every Jew was monotheistic. The Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is what? One. So there's only one God, but that one God is a complex and compound unity. It's like talking about a bundle of sticks. How many bundles are there? Well, there's one bundle, but that one bundle is a complex compound unity. So when the Bible talks about God, Elohim, in the Old Testament, it's talking about the witness of the three strong ones. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's why God said, let what? Us. Let us make man in our image. And that means that just as God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are a compound unity. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, you are a body, a soul, and a spirit. You're a triune being. Why? Because you're made in the image of a triune God. And you see this nowhere clearer than in the baptism of Jesus. Matthew chapter 3 and look at verse number 16. You know this story when Jesus got baptized. Matthew 3:16, Jesus, the theanthropic person, God and man in one person, just as much God as if he were not man, just as much man as if he were not God, two natures in one divine person, the mediator, the go-between. When he got baptized, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God. Now look, there's the Son of God, and now here's the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and suddenly there was a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved what? Son, it, there's the Father speaking, the Son being baptized, the Holy Spirit of God, all three persons of the Godhead in one episode in the life of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let me show you another place. Look at Matthew chapter 28. You know this passage. Matthew chapter 28. What I'm saying is the Holy Spirit's God. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. That's why Jesus said, when you go out, baptize them, Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name, singular, 
One name, singular, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. One God in three persons. Let me show you one other place. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And there are many passages like this. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 talks about the knowledge, the foreknowledge of God the Father, the shedding of the blood of Jesus the Son, and the drawing of the Holy Spirit, the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. But look at this. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and look at verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, you should read, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What? Amen. This is the earliest confession of the church. By the way, the Holy Spirit does things only God can do. For example, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, Elohim, the witness of the three strong ones, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Listen, and the Spirit of God was hovering like a dove over the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit was involved at that point in the work of creation itself. Only God can do that. The Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures. The scriptures are called, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, the word of God. Why? Because men moved by the Holy Spirit wrote as they were being inspired by God. Who, who, how did that happen? The Holy Spirit. How did a virgin girl get pregnant with a baby who was called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God? Mary said, how's this going to happen? I've never had sex with a man. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. What? He's God. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. He knows all things. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, only the Spirit knows the mind of God. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, Psalm 139. David said, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? If I go down into hell and make my bed there, you're there. If I go into the sky, you're there. I can't escape the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's omnipresent, because he's God. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. Matter of fact, he's called the Spirit of power. He's the one who raised Jesus from the dead. He has all power. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. Let me show you one last thing that I think you're going to love, and then we're just going to seal this in prayer. Has anybody gotten anything out of this tonight? Amen. Amen. All right, look at Acts chapter 5 real quick. Acts chapter 5. Don't you love the Word of God? Amen. I tell you, we need to turn the stupid television off and pick up a Bible. And it'll change our lives. I mean, we need to put down Sports Illustrated and Field and Stream and all the other stuff that occupies your mind and turn off CNN or Fox or whatever else and pick up the Bible. I tell you what, it'll give you a better frame of reference, Amen. It'll clue you in to what's really important and what's really real and what's really going to outlast everything else. Look at this in Acts chapter number 5. The Holy Spirit is called God. Look at Acts chapter 5. You know, you know this story. We've already alluded to it. 
Verse number one, there was a man named Ananias. He had a wife named Sapphira. They sold a possession. They kept back part of the proceeds. His wife was aware of it. They brought a certain part of it, laid it at the apostles' feet as if to say, hey, this, you know, we're having a building fund at the church and we decided to sell our Camelac you know, or whatever. Come on, work with me. Camelac, amen. We sold our Camelac, and we brought the money, and here it all is. They lied. They were hypocrites. They wanted to look good in the eyes of other people. That was the bottom line. It wasn't about the money. Matter of fact, look what Peter says. Peter says in verse number three, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the who? Holy Spirit. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not under your control? Nobody forced you to do this. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to who? Now, who did Peter say Ananias lied to in verse 3? Who did he say he lied to in verse 4? You see, because when you lie to the Holy Spirit, you lie to God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. It's like 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know your body is the temple of God? But in 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is God. Amen. So why is this important? Well, sometimes we sing songs to Jesus and we should. We should worship Jesus because Jesus is God. He's not just a man. He's the God-man. So it's appropriate for us to sing to Jesus, to pray to Jesus, to love Jesus, to worship Jesus, and it's most appropriate for us to pray to the Father, sing to the Father, love the Father. Sometimes we leave the Holy Spirit out. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is like the weirdo uncle at the family reunion. You know, he's there, but nobody knows what he's doing or who he is or what he's even doing there. And you can tell this, you know, there have been books out recently. The God I Never Knew. My friend Robert Morris wrote that. The God I Never Knew. He grew up in church, never even heard about the Holy Spirit. And then Francis Chan, The Forgotten God. I have a new book coming out July the 1st on the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how ignorant we are. Listen, when we worship God, we need to worship him in the fullness, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We worship the triune God, the one and only God, Elohim, amen? Hey, could you stand with me? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Arms are lifted high in the air. Oh, thank you, Lord. Why don't, come on, let's just take a few minutes and just worship the Lord. If you pray in the Holy Spirit, if you have a prayer language, why don't you just pray in the Holy Ghost right now, out loud. If you want to pray in English, pray in English. You pray in Espanol, whatever your heart language is. I want us just to take about one minute. Can we take one minute and let's just exalt the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost out loud. Let's do it right now.
In Holy Spirit, you have welcomed here. Come flood this place, feel the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come look this place, feel the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, we worship you, O God, the one true and living God who's the creator of everything. And we thank you that you love us. And we thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven and coming to the earth and dying for us in accordance to the will of the Father. And we thank you, Holy Ghost, for raising Jesus up so that he's alive and not dead. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for drawing us, for convicting us, for leading us, for regenerating us, for coming to live inside of us. But we don't wanna stop there. We wanna grow. We wanna know you more. God, Holy Spirit, we want your power to rest upon our lives so that the very works of Jesus are manifested in us as a body, as a church, and in our own individual lives. That's what we want. We don't want to just be people who make no difference in the world. God, we want you to use us. And so, Holy Spirit, we just open ourselves up to you, and we ask you to fill us, fill us. Say that out loud. Holy Spirit, fill me, fill me, and we pray for a spirit-filled church right here, not in name only, but a church that is alive with the life of Jesus. And we thank you. Now we ask you to seal what we've been taught tonight and cause it to come alive and help us to be sensitive to you, Holy Spirit, to hear you, to obey you, to love you, and Jesus to bring all glory to you that the world may know that you're real. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Now, let me have your attention for just a minute, and let me just say that tomorrow in the early service, live stream it, or come here and be here. I'm gonna, you may be seated. I'm going to talk about the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to go all the way back to the Old Can you turn these lights on, brother? We're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament, all the way back to Leviticus, and we're going to trace the promise of the coming, and then we're going to land at Pentecost. It's going to be very powerful. And then in the 11 o'clock service, I'm going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right? I'm going to tell what happened in my life, and I'm going to pray for many people. So if you're here and you hear people talk about being filled with the Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or all these kinds, but just never happened to you, I'll be here tonight. We can pray. But I think it'd be great. It'd be worth your time to get up, come at 11 o'clock in the morning, all right? Pastor's been so good to, to receive an offering for our ministry. And I want to say this before you do it. 
will you help me go to Pakistan? Because they're not going to pay for it, all right? I've already asked the Muslims, and they will not pay for me to come there, all right? So, and they don't have any money. The Christians don't have any money. But I'm going to preach to six, seven, eight thousand people a night in big, we can't call them crusades, we call them Jesus festivals. And we're going to pray people are going to get healed, they're going to hear the gospel, they're going to be saved. I mean hundreds and hundreds, but I need our friends in the West to help me. And the trip's like $25,000. I have about half of it raised because of folks like you. But if you can help with any kind of gift, we will use it to take the gospel to Pakistan, all right? So they can know Jesus like we know Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you, Pastor. Amen. Thank